Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Did you know that a woman in her 20s today is actually less fertile than her grandmother was at age 35? Yes, when I heard that statistic from Dr. Cleopatra, who is today's guest, I was absolutely floored. But if you know me, if you know my story, I am someone who has gone through fertility challenges and I saw this firsthand when I was in the fertility world that women were younger and younger and struggling more and more and it was absolutely heartbreaking. So this episode is near and dear to my heart. As I mentioned in this episode, when I was at my lowest point with my fertility journey, I was absolutely devastated. I heard Dr. Cleopatra on a podcast and it spoke to my heart. It brought me out of a really dark place and encouraged me to keep going, to not be discouraged and to know that my baby was on the way. And so bringing her on my podcast, I wanted to also share that message to anyone else out there who was struggling because it is just so challenging it is so hard so if you have a friend or family member who is struggling with fertility right now please do share this episode with them I want to inspire hope in as many people as possible I'm going to link Dr. Cleopatra's all of her programs down in the show notes and I'm also going to put a link for the wait list for the fertility course that I'm doing with Carrie Bennett that's going to start in January January 23rd so we have done one cohort it's a six-week program and we've had three successful pregnancies out of that first cohort we're so excited to run it again and again the wait list link is going to be down in the show notes so make sure you check that out I want to thank a couple sponsors really quickly. Now, if you know my story, you know that one of the biggest things I did for my fertility health was to get my circadian health in order. Viva Rays was absolutely instrumental in that. Their circadian rhythm glasses are amazing. And there's a lot of companies out there that sell these blue blocker glasses that are not what they say they are. (laughs) Their glasses do not block all of the spectrums of light that they promise that they do. So I trust Viva Rays. You can use my code YOGI to save 15% on those. Again, I trust this company, have used their products and recommended them to several of my clients. And the second sponsor of today's episode is Optimal Carnivore. You can use my code carnivore uppercase Y to save on their supplements. Now their organ meat complex and beef liver were particularly helpful to me in my fertility journey and have been very helpful to me after now the baby is born and I'm trying to keep my body full of as many nutrients as possible. So again, check those out. They're going to be linked down in the show notes. And I'm so excited for you to hear today's episode. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm so excited to have Dr. Cleopatra here with me today. And we're going to talk all things fertility, parenthood. And uh, so thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I'm so excited. And of course, those are my most favorite topics to talk about. So (laughs) I'm excited to dig in and no questions off limits. I'm whatever you want to know. I'm here to give you the best of the information and uh, just perspective that I have. Thank you. And I appreciate that. And, you know, before I turn on the recording, I was expressing that when I was going through my own fertility journey, my own struggles of, you know, multiple losses and rounds of IVF that didn't work. I was kind of at this point last year and the podcast that you did with Luke story, I listened, I think I listened to it like three times just because it was the voice I needed to hear at that moment that, 
you know, I was not broken that there, you know, I could do this and it was possible because there were so many other voices, you know, there's the endocrinologist telling me you need to look into donor eggs and there's all these other voices. It's impossible at your age. And then I found you and I was like, oh, thank God for this woman. <laughs> so yeah, I really, truly appreciate the work that you do and the message that you put out there. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. And amen. I'm so glad that we did that podcast. It was beautiful to be with Luke and Allison for that, that podcast and that it came to you and was exactly what you needed. There's this concept that I love called synchro destiny, mm -hmm. which is that the universe conspires to fulfill your needs and desires for you and with you. And I always think that in this world of almost 8 billion people, every time a mama, a family finds me, finds the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute, which is my organization, that it's, it's synchro destiny. It's mm -hmm. meant to be. And I, I just feel so thankful. And then to see you be where you are today and to think that if in any small way having that understanding planted inside of you and really take root inside of you that all of the things that you're being told don't have to be true for you and that very few people in the world are truly infertile and that right. there's plasticity in our fertility even as we're far quote unquote farther along in our reproductive span that just means the absolute world to me. Well, thank you. Yeah. And let's, I mean, let's maybe dive into some of that because the one thing that I kind of was holding on to in that podcast is that, you know, really only 3% of people are actually infertile, but we have this, I mean, and it's not even women in their forties necessarily. Yes. There's a lot of women in their forties that want to get pregnant. But I, when I was in my fertility journey, I realized it was women in their 30s, women in their 20s, where we really do have a major fertility crisis right now. So maybe we could talk about that just a little bit. Yes. I mean, I'm just full of goosebumps right now, or yeah. as my friend says, God bumps, but <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's really true. So we, we have a fertility crisis and it's becoming more and more of an issue and it's not even just a female fertility crisis yeah. it's yeah. a it's a human fertility crisis of course our scientific data are binary so they're on males and females but people of all genders are increasingly experiencing fertility challenges and we actually have seen an even bigger jump in fertility challenges among younger ages yep. than we have among older ages and there's this actually this pregnancy age crossover that's happening where uh, some women over the age of 35 are more likely to have babies now than women who are what? 19 and, and younger. And that's the first time in history that we're seeing this happen. So this is really, really important. And what we have documented is that in the past six decades, female fertility has declined so much that a woman today in her 20s is considered to be less fertile than her grandmother's generation was at 35. And I want, I'm going to tell you a similar, a parallel statistic for males, but first let me 
put this in perspective because our grandmother's generation only lived to be 60 years ago, 59 years old on average. So what that means is that our grandmother's generation was staying fertile for a much larger percentage of their lifespan than is happening today. And I really attribute this to a a severe mismatch between the modern world that we're living in and our reproductive biology and the world that it evolved to function in. Mm -hmm. So the same thing we're seeing in males in the past four decades, we've seen sperm count Mm -hmm. drop by more than 50%. And these data are primarily among men in the developed world. So we don't know, we don't have as clear of a picture about the developing world. But again, it's this reproductive biology, modern world mismatch. And that's why I always say that modern fertility has to be primal fertility because that's the way that our fertility still operates our fertility doesn't it hasn't caught up or registered that it's a different world that it has to operate in so we're seeing much earlier uh, experiences of diminished ovarian reserve or premature Mm -hmm. ovarian failure this is happening more and more in women in their 20s mm-hmm. and this this is a massive issue this is this is something that should be happening over time and it shouldn't be happening until people are crossing the threshold into menopause i have to say so my family and i we were we're americans we we are based in uh, Nevada. The company's based in Nevada, but we're living in Portugal right now. Our oldest super baby signed with the Benfica Football Academy, and we're mm-hmm. just having a really um, incredible family and life experience living in Europe. And I've been searching for uh, kind of a like a more progressive doctor for our family here, mm-hmm. more of like a you know an integrative medicine, functional medicine doctor, just for us to have a doctor. We've actually been yes. here for a long time without a doctor, and thankfully, knock on wood, we don't usually need a doctor. And I, you know, I finally found someone, and she looked at my labs, and she said to me, "I just want to congratulate you because usually a woman at the age of forty four is well in on her way to menopause Menopause. and you are nowhere near perimenopause and i don't know how this is possible but clearly what you're teaching and what you're doing is really working and i share that to say that it we don't there is a normal curve of what reproductive function looks like by age but yes. we don't have to follow the normal curve right. in our fertility and reproductive function, just like we don't have to follow the normal curve in our longevity, just like we don't have to follow our lifespan so that we have more longevity. We don't have to follow the normal curve in how we live our lives work-wise or anything else. And I want people to understand that, that we have plasticity, we have malleability, and there are a lot of things that are outside of our control when it comes to fertility and pregnancy and the intergenerational transmission of health. But there are a reliable set of things that we can help to shape. And that's where we need to focus our attention. I agree. And that was the thing, um, you know, when I started really researching this topic, because I, I was like, you know, 
for me getting pregnant at 28, it was like, you get a pregnancy test and you're definitely pregnant and you're, ha- you're definitely having a baby, you know, yes. like, okay. But at 41, having my, my first positive pregnancy test, I figured, okay, I'm having a baby. And then you go to that first appointment and there's no heartbeat. And then they're like, oh, it's a fluke. It's no big deal, you know, but then it happens again. And you're like, okay, well, this is actually (laughs) not what I thought it was going to be. And you start trying to understand fertility, diving into it. And I remember my first time going to the endocrinologist to explore uh, fertility medicine and these things, the weight, the first of all, to get an appointment to go to the endocrinologist for fertility was about a three to four month wait list everywhere that I called in, in the city, in Atlanta, where I lived three to four months, we can put you on a cancellation list, but sorry, that's the best we can do. And I'm thinking, I don't have time. You know? Exactly. I, I like this time, time is, I, I need to see you now. And, yeah. uh, and, and then when I finally did get there, the waiting room was packed. And it, and it was, like I said, it wasn't just women my age. It was twenties, thirties, young, young women. And I was just kind of like, what the hell is going on? You know, what, what are we doing? And, you know, we have a, a caregiver that helps with my daughter. She's been trying to get pregnant for as long as I have, Mm -hmm. I'm about to have a baby you know, in a week here, <laughs> so hopefully give Yay! or take. So exciting. <laughs> I'm so huge right now. Um, but God, I, she's starting IVF now and she's been doing this for as long as I have, has been trying to get pregnant for as long as I have since 2020. And now mm-hmm. she's starting IVF and I'm like, she's so young. She's so healthy looking like what the hell is going What's on? What's happening? Like, right. because yeah. the, because, and it's right. Like what the hell is going on? Because our fertility belongs to us. It is innate. Yes. It's a it birthright. Is, it is innate. Yes. We, we don't need anybody else to give us our fertility. And in fact, nobody else can give us our fertility. And I'm, I'm I want to say more about that in just a second. We just need to tap into our own innate fertility that we already possess because like we already touched on we know from the epidemiological data that only about two percent plus or minus one percent of the world's population is truly infertile or sterile and so what that means is that there are, there are a lot of people walking around this planet with a diagnosis of infertility. In mm-hmm. fact, 186 million people. Yeah. And yet most people are, the vast majority of those people are experiencing fertility challenges that are temporary and that mm-hmm. can be overcome. I wish I could say it were a hundred percent of people. I mean, that's my dream, yeah. right? And and one of our one of our our audacious goals and our mission is that we can eradicate fertility challenges. That mm. is one of the things that we're on a mission to do at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute, and to help women and all people 
tap into far more years of healthy reproductive life than they thought possible for themselves. And you're such an, an incredible example of this of being someone who was on a long journey of being told this is not possible for you over and over again by different people looking at it from different angles. And yet you aren't infertile. It is possible for you and it is happening for you. And I can't, we can't say that this will be the story for a hundred percent of people, but we know that this can be the story for the vast majority of people, even people who have struggled for a very long time. And I think that number one, this sounds kind of foo-foo, but it's so critically important and foundational and is, is having a shift in identity and not, not carrying that the burden of the diagnosis, diagnosis and identity of infertile not carrying the burden and of of feeling and believing you're broken or something in you is broken yeah. and that your body is has betrayed you in some way and is like an enemy to you in yes. some way which is a natural thing to feel when yeah. getting and staying pregnant has been really long and hard or, yeah. or, or you've had a child that hasn't been healthy or whatever it may be. Yeah. But I think that that identity shift is so critical and yes. is so, is so deeply overlooked in all the places w- where fertility is being addressed other than at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute. In fact, we use the fertility and pregnancy pyramid as shorthand for the complex network that makes up our fertility and pregnancy system. And at the bottom of the pyramid is the psychosexual level. And there's Mm. so much identity work that happens at that level, as well as the unbelievable and intricate relationships and feedback loops and pathways that happen between our central nervous system and our egg quality and our hormone balance and so many other things that people understand to be associated with fertility but completely miss the psychological piece of that. So it's really important. I wanna come, I know I've just said a lot, but I wanna make sure I circle back to the idea that our fertility is our own, it's innate yes. to us, and that we don't need someone to hand it to us, no. to us, nor can anyone hand it they to us. They can't, because if I could just jump in super quick, Please. a couple of thoughts, you know, Please. again, in this journey, you don't want to feel alone. And so the time, the thing that I did was go on Instagram and follow other people that were going through this. Mm-hmm. And I had to eventually stopped doing that. I had to eventually unfollow because they were taking on that identity of infertile. They were making it who they were. It was all that they talked about. It was all that they posted about. And I know that it's good to, again, have people that are with you that you can relate to. And I'm not the only one going through this really horribly painful thing, Mm -hmm. but for me to actually have a successful pregnancy, I had to let go of all of that. I had to let go of the women who were like, oh, my friend just invited me to a baby shower, that bitch, you know, Mm -hmm. and like upset that they had been invited to baby showers and this and that. And I get it. I get the grief that you feel when you've been trying to get pregnant and your friend gets pregnant accidentally. And then she wants you at her baby shower. You have to flip that and be happy for that person. And it's, it's not easy, but it's part of that 
like you're saying this this mental shift it's i feel like it's a it's a quantum intelligence too that we have to tap into um because if you continue to own that and make that your identity you're blocking you're telling the universe you're in the quantum field putting out there that you want more of this you want more of this this thing and so yeah, that was for me the last thing I changed. I wish I had changed it sooner. Um, but yes. I think that a lot of women can fall into that trap of, oh, I am this diagnosis. I am this person and I'm going to be in this infertility community and make it a thing, you know, get support, but don't make it who you are. I don't know if that's kind of what you're getting at, but that's just what I wanted to jump in and say. Yes. I think there's so much that you said that's really important. And I think it's really profound that you, you realize that for yourself, in order to be able to have a healthy pregnancy, you had to unfollow and remove yourself from that identity and that mm -hmm. community that reinforces and makes salient on a daily basis and on a moment-to-moment -moment basis that identity. Yeah. Um, I, actually, a lot of my scientific research has been on the role of identity in creating mm. our life experiences, our health experiences, our reproductive health experiences. And so this is actually, there's this is a very real thing. And I want to say that we know from the scientific literature that people, human beings, are social beings and are much more likely to be successful at everything they want to be and do and have and achieve when they have support. And that is especially true for women. It's even more true for women than it is for men. And when I speak in binaries, I just want you to know it's not with any intention to exclude anybody, but just because I'm sharing scientific data and most of the scientific data have that, that binary. Um, so please understand that I'm always thinking about all human beings. Uh, and so we know that women are even more likely to be successful when they have support. Yes. And this is true of fertility and pregnancy experiences and, and goals as well. So support is really important. Yes. But I think that having support, which helps you to see a way forward and helps you to see who you're becoming and stay connected to the vision of who you're becoming and what's possible for you is so critically important and i think that that's really the distinction that you were making that you don't you didn't want and i don't want to put words in your mouth so tell me if i'm wrong but my understanding of that was you didn't want support for the identity that you felt stuck in you wanted right. support for the identity that you were in the process of achieving yeah and i think it's so important to always remember how possible we are and how yes. possible our beautiful bodies are and how possible our super babies are. And I always think of this because I was the first woman of color in history to be hired on the tenure track in the school where I started at the University of Southern California, which is the wow. ninth ranked private institution in the world. I mean, 
Um, I came from a lineage where my mother didn't even get to have formal schooling. Mm -hmm. And I was the first generation of formally educated women. I'm not talking about college. I'm talking about anything beyond like primary school. Wow. And my dad is from this village in in Egypt that, you know, the his family's homes are basically huts with like mud floors. So this is like no joke. And I don't know how many times I was told, this is not possible for someone like you. You, Someone like you doesn't belong here. Someone who looks like you, someone who thinks like you, someone who talks like you, someone who you, you dresses like you, you don't have the right clothes, you don't know the right people, you don't know the right way of thinking, like you're, the way you think about things is too different this is not possible for you to get a PhD, to get tenure. And yet, thank goodness, right? Thank goodness I think differently because that's how this body of work was created. I didn't just regurgitate the things that my mentors taught me and what already existed in the studies. I created new areas of research that people made fun of until they got millions of dollars in grant funding and got published. And so I think that it's really important to remember that we can look for support and guides and examples of what we believe is possible for us. And we can remember that we are possible even when Every voice around us is telling us that we are not possible and our babies aren't possible and we're too old and our eggs are no good or sperm is no good or whatever it is. Uh, that's so, so critically important. It takes a little bit of rebellion to have the life of your dreams, to be perfectly honest with you. And that includes the fertility and family of your dreams. I hundred percent agree with that. If we, if we just go along with what we're told and what society does, I think that's going to be a pretty miserable existence. And, you know, my, my daughter is the reason I've kind of broken the mold on society and, and societal norms and believing what's possible and not possible, you know, is because of her. Um, but I don't know that a lot of other people you know, we we're, we don't even realize how conditioned we are to believe certain things. We have no idea. Like I just did a, a podcast on vitamin D today. And some of the people, you know, some of the comments that have been up there today have been just in the hour that it's been up. I, I checked before we got on here and there's people get angry if you challenge something that, you know, they've been told, doesn't matter who told them. It's just like, you know, <laughs> they're going to get angry. And like you were saying before we started recording, you know, a lot of people, they look at parenthood in two ways. You know, we're not even talking about fertility. We're talking about parenthood. Either it's going to be this, you know, you're sacrificing your whole life, miserable thing, or everything's perfect and peachy and, you know, easy. And if you're not getting it that way, then you're doing it wrong. You know, so we, we don't have room for a lot of nuance if we follow these societal norms. So we have to break out of that, I think, with fertility too. I completely agree. I 100% agree with that. And we really carry that rebellious spirit through our work at the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute. And we also carry 
Uh, and I want to say it's a rebellion that's not um, reactive and draining our energy because rebellion can be that. But it's a rebellion that really fuels our dreams and our possibilities. And we, we have to do that if we want to be on the leading edge of extending what is believed to be possible for the biological clock, especially the female biological clock. And every day we are seeing that it's possible. And every day we are pushing those boundaries and those edges a little bit more. So I, be I believe the sky is the limit. And it's a really exciting thing. And you're right, people do get really angry when you think differently and you share different ideas and you you challenge the beliefs that they've taken as given. But if the beliefs that you've taken as given and that you be, that you're being given every single day are not serving you, they're not serving your mental health, your physical health, your family, your fertility, then a good place to start is challenging those beliefs 100%. I can remember that in 2000, was it 2013, I published the first paper talking about the fact that we begin aging before we're born and before we're even conceived. I was so ridiculed. And now I bet. We, and and now we know this for sure yeah. that our health and aging process and our fertility have been put in motion not just before we were conceived but before our parents were conceived mm -hmm. and are are directly impacted by our grandparents and our parents even what our fathers ate in childhood. I mean, it is just amazing. So you have you have to be willing to for people to disagree with you and to still go forward and look for what's possible for you and for your family. I hope that you're enjoying today's episode with Dr. Cleopatra. Just a quick little reminder, if you are enjoying the show, please head on over to Apple or Spotify. Leave me up to a five-star review. And again, please do share this episode out with friends, family members, especially if you know someone who is struggling on a fertility journey right now. This just might be the message that they need to hear to keep going. It was the message that I needed to hear when I was at my darkest and lowest point. I knew, I knew I was going to have my son. I knew I was, but I just didn't know if that was going to be through adoption. I, I didn't know. Um, but hearing Dr. Cleopatra talk and all of this amazing information was the thing that kept me going. So again, please do share this out. Let's go ahead on over to Apple, Spotify, rate the podcast. It really will help to get this out to more people. And all of those links again down in the show notes for you guys for her programs and for the fertility program that I am doing with Carrie Bennett starting on January 23rd. That is down in the show notes to get on that wait list. One more sponsor I wanted to thank today is going to be Upgraded Formulas. You can use my code YOGI or YOGI12. A lot of people struggle with mineral imbalances and they just think that it's, you know, aging. They think it is fatigue, the weather, but a sodium and potassium imbalance can absolutely affect your nervous system, your sleep, your fatigue. A lot of people have these imbalances and have no idea. So the best way to find out is to get a hair tissue mineral analysis with a consultation. You definitely want to get that consultation 
Use my code YOGI or YOGI12 to save on that upgraded formulas HTMA with consultation. And the link is going to be down in the show notes. All right, let's go ahead and get back into this episode with Dr. Cleopatra. I hope that you're enjoying it. And remember to share it out if you are. Thank you again so much for listening. I agree. And, you know, I think for the women listening, and maybe there's men listening also, uh, we know this, this kind of quantum coherence that we need to have when it comes to the mindset shift, that's important. But I think what you were just kind of getting at, and correct me if I'm wrong, is this idea of mitochondrial health. Is that kind of what you were getting at in a sense? Or can we yes. expand on that a bit? Yeah. So the intergenerational, you mean like yes. our parents and grandparents generation yes. affecting yeah. us? Absolutely. I mean, this is critically important. And we know, I mean, that is very much the role of our mothers, our yes. mitochondrial health. Yes. So this is critically important, but also it ties into the concept that we were talking about a few moments ago, which is that we no one can hand our fertility to us Mm -hmm. and here's what i mean by this our fertility and pregnancy and intergenerational health outcomes are the direct result of raw material Mm. and raw material is epigenetic in nature so Mm -hmm. it has a role of our genetic programming and then it has and it it has the role of our epigenetic programming which is how inputs from our external and internal world affect the expression of our genes and there is nobody in the world who can give us healthy raw material there's nobody in the world who can hand that to us There's nobody in the world who can do that for us except for us. And that's why I always say that your fertility is innate to you. Nobody can hand you your fertility and you cannot outsource your fertility and pregnancy pyramid because you cannot outsource that healthy raw material. And here's the thing. Some some people's fertility and pregnancy need extra support from modern medicine And that is perfect and there's nothing wrong with that, but you still are the only one who can give yourself that healthy raw material because even if you're gonna be using IVF, you go to IVF and if there aren't eggs retrieved, if the eggs don't fertilize, if the fertilized eggs don't make it to the blastocyst stage, if your embryos are tested and they're chromosomally abnormal, There is no step beyond that. There is nothing that the intervention process can do for you. Exactly. That that is only within your power to help shape. And it has to be done before you go into that process in the time that we call the primester, which is the time leading up to conception. That's where we have so much leverage and mm-hmm. so much plasticity in our fertility and pregnancy system that we can help set up a domino effect that is more, much more likely to make things go well for us, both in terms of getting pregnant and staying pregnant 
and having the healthiest, happiest, brightest, most well-adjusted babies What we that we can have what we call our super babies doesn't mean somebody's baby's better than another person's babies. It means you get to have the healthiest baby that you can have given your genome and your epigenome and that of mm-hmm. the other person providing DNA for your baby. And our super babies are as resilient to the unique stresses of the modern world as they possibly biology and the modern world that we're living in. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, just to jump back a tiny bit of what you were just saying about IVF, having had that experience myself, you know, so many people, when a woman is having fertility challenges, the first thing they'll say is, well, why don't you try IVF? It's not a guarantee. You still have to have healthy eggs and healthy sperm. Again, those raw materials have to be healthy. If you don't, then you're not like, that's what happens to me. We had the first round and it's expensive. It was $45,000. The first round we made embryos, but the, the two girls, they had multiple abnormalities and they were like, we aren't, we can't transfer these because they'll definitely miscarry. You know, you don't want to go mm-hmm. through that. And then the second time everything died on day six, you know, they made, yeah. I was, dev- you know, and it's devastating because it is such a hard process. You're, you have to go to the, to the clinic every other day for blood work and ultrasound. You know, you have to inject yourself in the evening and in the morning, you're exhausted, you're tired, you have all the emotions around it. And to have to go through a process like that and then have it not work. First of all, you're in the whole $45,000 cause insurance didn't pay for it. Yeah. And then it didn't even work. And you have that. I think I was more devastated after that experience than I was with the two miscarriages because you go through so much. And so, you know, that I was, I was kind of primestering while I was doing the IVF because I'd had the two losses, but you need more time than when you're actually in the process. You need three months, six months, a year longer if you can. And that's a conversation I don't think that we have with women that are trying to conceive or women that are going through infertility, just because you're doing IVF, it's not a guarantee. Even if they mm-hmm. do the little, cause the little chart they did with me, you know, they're like, Oh, you've got great chances. Da, 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 da. Well, <laughs> the yeah. chart was wrong. Um, and so I think that's a conversation that's not being had. And that's a, something that you address with your work is this, again, this, this idea of primestering. So maybe we can, dive into to what that kind of looks like for people mm-hmm. um so maybe we can save some heartache and if you do want to do ivf i'm not against it but you got to do this prep work first you know exactly. if you're at the point where you need ivf you better back up and do some primestering first right yes 100 percent. because again you can't outsource your fertility and no. pregnancy pyramid right that you can't outsource your raw material the only thing that IVF can do is what you experienced, which is test if the raw material is healthy and not transfer any raw material or embryos that aren't chromosomally normal. But then if that's all you've got, there's nowhere to go from there. And you said something really important, Sarah, which is 
that you think that that was almost more devastating than the losses you had experienced prior to that. And I would guess a lot of people in those, first of all, there are a lot of people in those same shoes and a lot Mm -hmm. of people in those same shoes would probably say something similar. And I think the reason why is psychologically in the back of your mind, it's always like, well, society tells me that if all else fails, I have IVF. But then if you get to IVF and you realize it isn't the solution that you were expecting it to be or that society told you it would be, then it's like so devastating (laughs) because where do you go from here, right? Right, yeah. And it's, and I love, by the way, I love the fact that IVF is available. So I want to make that clear. Uh, the first IVF baby was born in 1978, the year I was born. And I just think that was 79. So, yeah. So, so meant to be right. Yeah, and so yeah. I think it's one of the most important advancements of the last half century. I want to be very clear. Yes. I have the utmost respect and uh, appreciation for the availability of these technologies and interventions. What I I want to make sure everybody understands is that you can't just re- you can't re- go you, you can't outsource this. You can't just no. go there and just count on the fact that that's going to be the answer. Exactly. Right. And I think that's the part where we don't educate people enough and right. there's a lot of a lot of feeling of being misled. The reality mm-hmm. is that it's it's our work to do before we even get there. And it's our work to do before we even conceive naturally, even when we're not, we have no expectation of fertility challenges so that we can do everything within our power to give our super babies the very best epigenetic foundation, you know, the very best mitochondrial health, but so much more. So, so much of our health and our mental health, our physical health, our digestion, immune function, our fertility, the, the lifespan that we're likely to have is already being programmed, not just in utero, but in the primester. And that's why I that's why I wrote the paper about how our aging begins before we're born, before we're conceived, because we need to understand that. And, you know, the the study of epigenetics is still relatively young. It's only about 35 years old, but it turns out that we now have a deep understanding of the fact that our genes are not our destiny, but we are our destiny. Mm -hmm. And I want to say something about this that I think is really important. When we hear that we are our destiny, there's a great opportunity there, but there's also a great responsibility there. Yes. And I think that there will be people who are listening to us and who will think, God, I wish I had known this information before I got pregnant. I'm pregnant now. Can I still do something? I wish I had known this information before I had my child because, you know, I I wish things had turned out better or whatever thought process people are going through. And I hear this commonly. And I, I want you to know that 
we all do the very best we can with the knowledge, mm -hmm. information, resources, and tools that we have where we are. And wherever you are today, you can start from there. And whatever, whatever you're facing today was set in motion days, months, years ago, and today you can set in motion a different picture and a different future. And that's yes. really that's really where your point of power is. And that's what I want you to focus on. So you can start living trimester life when you're already pregnant. You can start living trimester life for your next baby. You can start mm -hmm. living trimester life for yourself so that yes. you can delay going into menopause, which is correlated yes. with you know, having a longer lifespan. I mean, we know we now know how critical a vital sign our menstrual cycles are, so much yes. so that a recent study showed that women who have long and irregular cycles are much more likely to die early than women who don't are much more likely to, to die before i believe before the age of 70. i mean wow. this is if even if you've already had your children do do this for yourself yes yes absolutely and i know you know a lot of my viewers i'm attracting now a lot of women in their 40s and women who want to get pregnant my audience is primarily women in menopause and, and older for whatever reason I have a lot of women and so they come to me and they're like well what can I do you know and yes and I I a lot of my courses everything that I teach is born out of my fertility struggle you know I started studying Dr. Jack Cruz I started understanding uh you know the work of Dr. Doug Wallace and mitochondrial health and circadian health and all of these things so I mean that I dove deep into this and so mm -hmm. all of my courses and programs it doesn't matter if you're male if you're a female that's in reproductive or in menopause all of these things that we do are going to be beneficial for you exactly are yeah. so are because that because they are so intimately tied, our biological clock and our lifespan are so intimately tied that you absolutely, they will and be- And so beneficial. many women say, oh, I don't wanna have a cycle anymore. And I'm like, that's not- Yes, you do. You do, <laughs> you, trust me. And it's funny, my my daughter now, who we were talking about, um, she, my neighbor's drilling on his roof. So I hope that's not getting into the video too much. I'm, I'm not hearing it. So I don't oh think God, so. It's so loud. <laughs> um, but my daughter is 14 and, you know, she spells to communicate and she's, you know, she's had a rough time just dealing with her body and understanding puberty. And she said, um, she said, mom, what's, she spelled the other day, what's perimenopause? And I said, it's kind of like reverse puberty. You know, you start not having your cycle as often, and then eventually you stop having your cycle. And she spelled, I want that. <laughs> really? That's so funny. And you're like, no, I not like, really. No, no, <laughs> let me, let's talk about this. It was a good opportunity for me to chat with her about the miracle of us having a cycle every month and how it's a sign of health, you know, yes. bone health, brain health, heart health. I mean, it's, it's so important that we continue as long as we can. And for anyone who's in menopause, who's listening, you can still continue to have healthy mitochondria. You're not done. You know, you can still be, I have women in their seventies that I'm looking at them have these amazing transformations from implementing quantum health and circadian health strategies. So I don't want to make anyone who's in menopause listening feel like I'm done, I'm over. 
but just no, to emphasize emphasize for women who are in that reproductive stage and don't want to deal with the cycle this it, it first of all it shouldn't be horrible and painful and miserable that's yeah. a sign there's something else going on but second of all it's a it's a good thing right it's it, yes it's the sign of longevity yes. yeah 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 so yeah, I had Absolutely. to tell my daughter, you don't want perimenopause. You're only 14, almost 15. <laughs> <laughs> very no, funny. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> what a cutie. I mean, but you could you could understand how she would get that oh, I idea. Get it. I yeah. 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 Especially in the beginning when you're when you're adjusting to all these changes. But we also as a society don't talk about this yeah. enough. Like, I mean, I just think about how our health classes do nothing to prepare us for the things that we we really need we need to understand mm -hmm. our cycles we need to understand our fertility not ignore it mask it wish it away until we don't wish until it away it. And, right. exactly and then wake <laughs> up and decide okay i want it i want it to be there for me and just assume that it's all going to be there and you don't need to have any understanding about it and i think that understanding is more important today than ever with yes. so so many of the things that we're we're facing in our world. Yeah. And so in your trimester program that's really what you're working on with women is let's get our mitochondria healthy, let's get our mind healthy, let's kind of put this whole package together and prepare if you want to do IVF great, if you want to yeah. try to do this natural conception great. You know, we can support you either way, but this period before pregnancy, I don't mm -hmm. think that we're educated about that. You know, it's like, just get pregnant. Cool. And then take a prenatal and everything will be fine. And I don't think that, yes. first of all, it's not that easy for a lot of people. And then second of all, that may not give you the best outcome, the healthiest baby, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think that we can't, assume or take for granted that just because we're young right um, or even for somebody who's had a child before fertility challenges are even more common in secondary cases meaning mm -hmm. what's called secondary infertility we don't use the word infertility at fpi because as you know very few people are truly infertile but where someone has had a child or children previously and then are experiencing fertility challenges very unexpectedly to be able to have a subsequent child. And that's mm -hmm. that's actually even more common than primary wow. uh, fertility challenges or quote unquote infertility. So it's really important. So we can't just take for granted because of age or history of already having children that everything is going to go as planned and as expected and and this is not about being fearful this is about living life and living our fertility in proactive mode as opposed to reactive mode and that's what the primester is all about you have this incredible window of opportunity where you have even more plasticity, malleability in terms of your epigenome, which will help to determine how fertile you are, which will help to determine how healthy your pregnancy is, and which will also be the foundation for programming your child's 
future health and your grandchildren's future health. Remember, we talked about that already, this intergenerational transmission of health. We know that the process of epigenetic inheritance that I just mentioned crosses at least two generations, and we think it probably crosses more, but we have data supporting two generations, which is why it's so important that we take this proactive stance. We don't have to be fearful. I don't want people to Mm -hmm. be fearful. Mm -hmm. I want people to be proactive and not just assume that you know what everyone tells you to do and eat and and how to and think like is going to be the best thing for your fertility and for your family and so we have this window of opportunity called the primester it's the period leading up to conception it should be 120 days minimum if you are planning a pregnancy and you can give yourself six months, a year, mm-hmm. two years, three years, that is beautiful. That is smart. You cannot start primestering too early. Mm-mm. We have a lot of people who come to us and they've been trying to get pregnant for eight years, 18 mm-hmm. years, and they're like, I can't possibly take a 120-day primester. Very much like what you felt when you yeah. were waiting to get into the endocrinologist. Yeah. Like, I don't have time for this. Right. Here's the thing. We will give you a modified accelerated primester of 60 days if you believe that that's what you need. And I always tell you from day one, trust yourself, trust yourself, trust Mm -hmm. yourself. I Mm -hmm. trust in you. Mm -hmm. I trust in your body. I trust in the timing of your life and your super baby. And if something that I'm teaching you from the scientific literature doesn't, doesn't feel right for you, is you have a different guidance for yourself, I trust you. I want you to trust yourself. And by the way, everything I teach is from the scientific data. It's not my opinion. It's not just what I did for myself. I was teaching this long before I had my own super babies. Of course, I use what I teach for myself. And, and yes. I'm, I'm very happy and you know in appreciation to say that the product of that has been absolutely beautiful. I have three amazing super babies and I'm amazingly fertile at the age of 44, which I love because I'm not even sure I'm finished having super babies, but I also <laughs> know is just great for my, my health and longevity. So that's wonderful. Um, But we have this period of time and it's really important. And if you feel like I can't take more time, we will we will give you guidance on an accelerated primester. Uh, But what we do know, what we see every day is by taking time, we buy ourselves more time because we're seeing we're seeing the slowing of the biological clock. We're seeing a reversal of reproductive aging. And that's that's really what we what we're looking for because remember that we can't change our chronological age. I'm right. the age I'm I I am. I can't change that, but we can change our biological age and our reproductive biological age, and that's what we aim to do in the primester. And then we continue living primester life throughout pregnancy with some very specific modifications and into the postpartum period and also in the interconceptional period when many of us are going to go right back into that cycle again for subsequent children if we're continuing to build our family. So what's so important about the primester 
is that so many things that determine our fertility and the health of a pregnancy and the health of a baby are determined very early on. So think mm -hmm. about something like the neural tube, the neural mm -hmm. tube. Oh yeah. Very early is formed by day 17, which mm -hmm. is before most people even know that they are pregnant, even if they are tracking their cycles very closely. And even if they're trying to get pregnant, yeah. mitosis and meiosis, which will then determine are, is the, is the baby, the embryo chromosomally normal or abnormal that that's like day one that you know you mm -hmm. you these are things that are determined by the raw material that are being input the egg yes. and the sperm and those things have to be taken care of and optimized before the egg and the sperm meet before exactly. the egg is released and so we don't talk about this enough now right. this is this is where we have the most power i don't like to say control because we're not trying to control everything we can't control everything we're not right. trying to we would make ourselves crazy trying to but this is where we have the most power to shape everything that comes after it and so we want to give this the time and love and care and attention and intention that it deserves yeah i agree i totally agree and i again, that's a conversation that's not really being had. That's right. And so when you're having a woman kind of prepare for trimester, what are some of the key things that you're working on in yeah. that program? Is it circadian rhythms? Is it nutrition, nutrient profile? You know, what kind of stuff are you working on with them? It's all of that. It's everything. That's why we, we use the shorthand of the fertility and pregnancy pyramid because it represents the complex network that makes up our fertility and pregnancy system, which is very, it's very intricate, involved and nuanced. And it's much more than just what we think of as our reproductive organs or our reproductive system. In fact, the brain is the most important fertility organ. In our book, our digestion is the mother of our fertility and pregnancy system from the perspective that we look at it. So it's all of that. But let me just walk you through the five levels of the pyramid. It gives you a little bit of a summary. Mm -hmm. And then I'll give you examples of the top three. So everything that we're doing, we're striving to create the, the to optimize our epigenome to to downplay or suppress our genetic vulnerabilities and to really amplify or dial up our genetic strengths and privileges. And we all have genetic vulnerabilities. I have several actually that would predispose me to fertility challenges. And obviously that has never played out in my life. Thank goodness. Wow. Um, and then there are so many other things that factor into that, but let me just walk you through the level so I can give you some examples concretely of what we're doing when we are primestering, when we're taking advantage of that period before conception called the primester. We use the word as a noun and a verb. And, uh, and, and that way people can start to implement some of these things for themselves. It is very comprehensive when people ask, is it supplements? Is it a diet? And we mm. say nutrients are about one, one thousandth of what we do in the primester mm. protocol. So there's really no life, no part of your life 
that goes untouched because there's really no part of your life that isn't involved in the exactly. ma- in the making yeah. of your fertility and your baby. And this is something that that probably only a scientist like myself can understand and formalize because my training is so interdisciplinary and mm-hmm. so incredibly diverse. Um, so the the fertility and pregnancy pyramid has five levels. At the bottom, the foundation, and it's there for at the foundation for a reason, is the psychosexual level. This has to do with our psychology, our sexuality, our sensuality. The next level is what we call the bioecological level. This is our biology and our ecological context. This is a lot of what most people think of as having to do with our fertility, mm-hmm. and but it's a much broader understanding of that level. The third level is the neuroimmunological level, which has to do with the brain, the immune mm-hmm. system, autoimmunity, innate immunity, regular, I mean, everything that you can think of there. Uh, and then at the very top are the social and cultural levels, which people almost never think about as having to do with their fertility yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. And so let me just tell you about the top three epigenetic inputs. Okay. The first one is our thoughts. And this is one of the reasons why our psychosexual level is so, so important. And identity, which we talked about, is related to this. But scientific studies estimate that we have somewhere between 6,500 on the low end and 60 to 80,000 on the high end thoughts every single day. Now, that's a huge range. But wherever we fall in that range, we're having a lot of thoughts every single day. And those thoughts, about 80% of them are repetitive, recurring thoughts. Most of those are negative, and they're negative thoughts about ourselves, how we compare to others, our place in the world, etc. And this is constantly affecting our epigenetic expression because each one of those thoughts has a biochemical underpinning and creates a biochemical cascade that's influencing the expression and signaling of our genes. So thoughts are number one. Number two is sleep. And there's a lot that goes into that. And number three is nutrition. And I'm talking about both micronutrients and macronutrients. Now, these are the reason why these are the top three epigenetic inputs is just by virtue of the frequency with which they are input into our epigenome. So the frequency with which these pieces of information are input to the epigenome. Because because of the amount of our life that we spend thinking, because of the amount of our life that we spend sleeping, and because of the amount of our life that we spend putting in information in the form of nutrients, it's about five years on average of our entire lifespan. That's why those are the top three epigenetic inputs. And again, identity is a really big part of that number one, but there, but there are other things, so many other things, shame, social comparison, um, excavating fear, trauma, getting out of living in a state of chronic stress and emergency, reliving old traumas, you, you know, mm-hmm. worrying about yeah. fu- future traumas because all of those things are having a direct impact on the central nervous system, uh, which 
which is principally involved in reproduction. Wow. And, you know, just jumping back to sleep, you know, I think one of the things for me, a lot of people said, oh, you're, it's winter time. It's not the best time to get pregnant. It's, you're not going to be as fertile during winter. And I kind of didn't believe that because I, I was optimizing my sleep so much during winter because it's such a great time to do that. It's the time of darkness. You make the most melatonin and melatonin is this amazing super antioxidant that can actually help to repair and clean your eggs. And, and so I think this, the sleep part is so vital. And that's one of the things I see with women, you know, that are trying to get pregnant. They don't understand the importance of melatonin and it's not the same as taking melatonin supplements you want your body to be doing that process on its own right absolutely actually let me say something really important about melatonin so i i 100% agree with you and circadian rhythms are a huge part of primestering and melatonin is a regulating your mel- melatonin production is a huge part of that Uh, But I want people to know that even though melatonin is this incredible antioxidant, one of the most powerful antioxidants we have, that it actually can interfere with ovulation when supplemented. So Ah. I want to make sure that people don't run into supplementing with melatonin because we're talking about what an incredible antioxidant it is and how it can be so powerful for egg quality uh, for for and, and other things related to egg quality like anti-malarian hormone levels, AMH levels, mm-hmm. ovarian yeah. reserve, et cetera. Because here's the thing, and and we we have we just released our supplement line, Super Baby Nutraceuticals. We just started formulating our own nutrients. And one of the things um, that we have in progress that we have up next is an egg quality and quantity uh, nutraceutical. And we will have two different versions and it's related to the melatonin uh, conversation. That's why I'm mentioning it here. So we will have two different versions, one for IVF and one for natural conception or just biological clock egg health preservation because melatonin can be wonderful for egg quality but it can interfere with ovulation and even in high dosages may be able to act as a contraceptive so you do not want to be supplementing with melatonin if you're trying to get pregnant naturally because while it may be benefiting eggs it may be suppressing ovulation and interfering with fertility in other ways but if you are going to be doing ivf then it may it may contribute to better egg quality and therefore better embryo quality. Remember though, eggs are only half of the equation. The sperm quality right. has to be good too. We don't talk yeah. about that enough. Exactly. Um, but when supplemented in the right amounts for the right duration, it's not something that you want to be doing for a very long period of time. So I just wanted to note that uh, so that people don't listen to this and then think, okay, let me just run and supplement with melatonin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, my listeners are adept to to my views on supplementation. I think I'm not a fan of doing a lot of supplementation. I yes. think we should try to get endogenous production of these things as much as we 
possibly can, you know, um, yes. for, for reasons like you just stated, I didn't even know that about it possibly being a contraceptive. So that's an important. That's a very important thing for a woman who's trying to get pregnant. <laughs> totally important. And, you know, I think we, so supplements are what you, what you just said, Sarah, which is that they should be used as a supplement to mm-hmm. proper nutrition, to a healthy lifestyle. And, and I think that's really important. And they, they shouldn't be looked at, again, as a place to outsource mm-hmm. our, our healthy raw material. They can, they can be and, and can be a very important supplement to our healthy raw material and to the work that we're doing to create and optimize that healthy raw material. I mean, in the case of something like neural tube defects, for example, mm-hmm. and even Down syndrome and other uh, types of abnormalities and also autism and autism spectrum disorders, we can reduce neural tube defects by almost 71% of neural tube defects are preventable and supplementation is not is an important piece of that uh, approach to reducing neural tube defect risk. It's not the entire picture, but it's a, an important piece of the picture. Mm, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's a matter of if we're really wanting to get pregnant and there's a woman who's really struggling, sometimes you do have to take that little step back. And it's hard. I've been there. Like I said, I was irate with the clinic that they couldn't get me in sooner. They actually did have a cancellation. So I ended up getting in like within a couple of weeks. Um, awesome. That didn't help me. It didn't give me the desired outcome, but I know that feeling of the clock is ticking. Um, I would love to ask, cause I know where we probably should wrap pretty soon, but I'd love to ask some of, about some of the success stories that you've seen within your program. What are some of the the oldest women that you've seen have success and and just some that maybe come to mind that might be inspirational for anyone listening. Yes. Oh my God. So many. I think we have like three new pregnancies just already this week. And uh, as we're recording, it's, it's Wednesday, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, so many now we have uh, super babies in over 32 countries on six continents. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that would be more if we were if the primester protocol were translate translated into other languages, which is one of my goals and dreams. Um, so and we're we, we actually starting to work on our first translations into Spanish, which I'm so excited Aww. about. I speak Spanish. I love Spanish. Um, and so it's just really important to me that we, we are accessible to as many people in the world as possible. Mm-hmm. So um, thus far, we have super babies in women uh, between the ages of 23 and 48 and a half years old. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every day we're trying to, to push those that outer edge and you know see can we get into the 50s. Um, I believe we can. The oldest verified natural conception is to a woman who was 59 years old. Um, yes. And so I really do believe that we will get there. It's more of an issue of who's coming to us and we, yes. we haven't really had 
people in their 50s coming to us to get pregnant. We do have people, like you were saying, coming because they just want to uh, put off menopause and stay healthy for as long as possible. Um, and even mm -hmm. when you're in menopause, continue to be healthy for as long as possible. And um, and so, gosh, the stories. I mean, I, I believe the the... I'm trying to remember our record for how long someone was trying to conceive before they came and i believe it's over 16 years now um for a long time it was over 10 years but i believe it's over wow. 16 years and that might be 18 years but i'm not 100 percent sure off the top of my head but it's the better part of two decades i will say that um, so that's a, such an incredible example of how like for a very long time you could have been told it's not possible and have the identity of being quote unquote infertile and it's still possible oh, yeah. for you. And we've really faced everything. So for example, um, we the trimester, by the way, is for people of all genders. So the, the woman, the mama, as we call her, is usually the one who comes to us, but we want her partner, whether male or female or some other gender, to be primestering alongside her, especially mm. if that partner is providing DNA and the epigenome for their super baby as well. So if there's a, there are issue with male factor, issues with male factor uh, infertility, quote unquote infertility, sperm, uh, issues, then it's especially important for the partner to be primestering as well if they're a male partner. Um, so we faced everything. We faced male in factor infertility. It's more the rule rather than the exception that women are farther along in their reproductive span. So, you know, in their 30s four and 40s, well into their 40s, it is more the rule rather than the exception that people have been told that they have hardly any eggs left. They have their mm -hmm. AMH levels are incredibly low. They've um, been told that their egg quality is very poor. We, uh, a lot, I would say... Probably 50% of our of our village were people who um, are, are doing IVF or did IVF and were unsuccessful in IVF and came to us because they had nowhere else to go. Uh, more and more people are learning about the primester and are primestering before going into IVF or primestering before conceiving naturally, which I'm really happy about. But we we routinely have women who have AMH levels near zero getting wow. pregnant. So I think that this is really, again, this is a place where you're, you, you have to remember that you are still possible. Yes. You are still possible. Mm -hmm. um, we have people who come to us because they've had children in the past who weren't as healthy as they had hoped they would be. And so they want to do everything that they can to make sure that their next child is healthy. And we have people coming to us routinely with PCOS, fibroids, mm -hmm. endometriosis. Uh, I would say the biggest thing is just uh, being quote unquote older and having very low AMH and very low ovarian reserve and not getting healthy embryos. That's that's pretty much a daily occurrence in the people mm. coming to us for help. And more recently, you know, this because more people are learning about the primester and the primester protocol, people are coming to 
to change intergenerational patterns and mm. and and to really change that process of epigenetic inheritance so you know if you come from a lineage where you want to say like this this stops here with me mm-hmm. uh, this is this is really a place to come and and do that physiologically psychologically and in every other way in your relationship um we have marriages and relationships getting healed in the trimester all the wow. time even when partners came in kind of kicking and screaming not wanting wow. to trimester we do provide a lot of very clear specific guidance on how to decide whether you want your partner to trimester with you if you decide you want them to how to invite them how to uh, show them the scientific evidence and let them come to the decision making process themselves how um, there we have a series of partner messages which are messages from me that are like hey um, this is what we're doing this week this is why we're doing it here's what the scientific data say here's how you can contribute if you just want to support your partner here's how you can contribute if you want to support your partner and do it yourself so that it's always a more objective person an approach yeah. to engaging them so that people come to it how they want to because we have found that that's so much more successful and we have testimonial after testimonial of especially male partners saying I wanted nothing to do with this but then I watched her get healthier and like look younger and be less anxious and more stable and I saw her healing and I I was like, I'm curious. I want to I want to maybe try that and and see what that's all about and then it really changes things for for couples. So that's I don't by any means consider myself a relationship expert. I was such an underachiever in romantic relationships until I met my husband, by the way. Um, I really was and I very intentionally actually primestered and got ready for you know attracting the right partner because I knew I could feel it was time for me to get serious about having my family around the time that I was turning 31 or uh yeah around 31 32 and but before that I was really an underachiever I was great (laughs) at falling in love and really bad at staying in love I mean it it was not it was I was great with my uh other relationships but not uh, so much with romantic relationships so I don't in any way consider myself a relationship expert, but a beautiful and really in some ways unexpected byproduct of the trimester has been the ways families have healed and it's relationships I have love healed. That. It's I been love powerful. That you say that. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's happened in my home too. It's like with my daughter, yeah. I feel like I appreciate her. So both of us, we talk about it all the time of like, how we think she's just so amazing. And it was almost like we had to get there with her before this one was ready to come through, you know, and in our relationship just over the last couple of years, you know, a lot of people kind of might've fallen apart with the things that we went through, but our relationship is just better than ever because we were this united front and we were together with all of these things and yeah you you appreciate what you have so much more and it's it's this beautiful process so I love that you've you just kind of brought together all of these beautiful components that you know in the end is going to make for a, a really wonderful family for for yes. them the, the couple to have that baby you know and and have that family 
It's so true. And I thank you for that. And I'm so happy when I listen to you talk about the process of like, how lucky are we that and blessed are we that we have this amazing child and we're having another amazing child and that we have this beautiful relationship that's gotten even closer, even through uh, amazing challenges. And I think that there's nothing better in the world. Agree. Nothing. I mean, just everything I came from did not set me up to have the beautiful family life that I have today. And I'm so happy and in appreciation and proud of those thousands of super babies all over this globe. And the thing that I'm the only thing that I'm even more proud of than that is my own super babies and my own family. Uh, and I just know that all of this work is so is so worth it because the return just never ends. It's so incredible. Wonderful. Well, where can people find you, find your program? I'm going to make sure I link it in the show notes for everybody. Awesome. But what's the best way? Because I know a lot of people are going to be interested after listening yes, to this. Yes, thank you. And we will, why don't we try to do something special for your village, uh, like some sort of special credit or something like that. Oh, I don't that'd ha- be amazing. We, I don't yeah. have that planned, but we'll we'll ask my team for something Set it up. like that. Yes. Yeah. So look for that. We'll, we'll give uh, Sarah a special link with something special for you. And you can find us at fertilitypregnancy.org. And actually right there on that, on that homepage of our website, you can get an incredible fertility checklist. It's free and it has really great and foundational information from primestering. And then if you need help and you want help right away, then go to fertilitypregnancy.org forward slash consult and we'll we'll do a consult with you and and figure out your best next steps and and get you the help you need. I love that. Well, thank you. And I'll make sure to include the links and everything in the show notes, but this has been just lovely. And uh, thank you for all your time this morning. It's my pleasure. I love this conversation so much and I'm just really happy that we've connected and I'm so excited for your beautiful boy arriving soon. Can't wait to see all the photos. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Cleopatra. Just a quick little reminder to check out the show notes for all of her links as well as the link to get on the wait list for the fertility course with my friend Carrie Bennett starting January 23rd. And if you enjoyed the episode, please do head on over to Apple or Spotify, leave us up to a five-star review on the podcast and share it out with a friend, a family member, especially if they are on a fertility journey right now and struggling. As I mentioned in the very beginning of the episode, I just want this podcast to reach the right person. I'm always thinking of that with every episode that I record, I'm thinking of someone that's maybe in a really dark place and I want to reach out, give them a big hug and help them with the information that I share. So help me out doing that if you know somebody in that place. One more thank you to my sponsors, Viva Rays, for protecting those circadian rhythms. Use my code YOGI to save 15% on those. Optimal Carnivore, giving my body the nutrition it needs prenatally and postnatally. 
code carnivore uppercase Y. All of these links are going to be down in the show notes and upgraded formulas. I can always count on them using that hair tissue mineral analysis to make sure my minerals are in balance code Yogi 12 or Yogi. And they have a really awesome, awesome magnesium. If you've not tried it out, it is fantastic. Okay, my friends, thank you again for listening to today's episode. Make sure you're subscribed, share it out, and leave us that review over on Apple or Spotify, especially if this episode helped you. Have a fantastic day, and I'm so excited to chat with you again next week.